Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In this episode, AWS Enterprise Strategist Phil Lebrun is joined by Elisa Moskalin, EVP of Sustainability at Sage, and George Sandilands, VP at Sage Earth, to discuss how technological innovation can help small and medium businesses address their sustainability challenges. This is Phil Lebrun. I'm an enterprise strategist at Amazon Web Services. Over the next few weeks, I'll be speaking with software company executives from across the Europe, Middle East, and Africa region about the cultural changes needed to transform businesses, how new technologies like generative AI are changing the innovation landscape, how we can leverage data and technology to accelerate growth and scale. We'll also be providing a glimpse into the humans behind these great enterprise software and SaaS companies. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Elisa Muskelin, EVP of Sustainability and Foundation at Sage, and George Sanderland, VP at Sage Earth. Sage was recently listed in the Financial Times Europe Climate Leaders List of 2023. George was the CEO and co-founder of Spherix. Spherix was acquired by Sage Group in 2022 and has since rebranded to Sage Earth. George continues to lead the business in supporting rapid decarbonization for millions of small and mid-sized businesses. George has also toured around Europe as a DJ, bringing diverse people together through sound. Elisa joined Sage last year. Before this, she drove the sustainability and ESG agenda for Banco Santander and Vodafone. She's responsible for driving Sage's sustainability strategy, as well as leading the Sage Foundation. Elisa speaks six languages and has a deep passion for diversity and inclusion. Welcome, George and Elisa, and thank you for making the time today to talk to AWS. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. So to kick this off, let's briefly discuss both your passion for the environment and where it was born. George, how did you end up moving from, I believe, to be a financial advisor and music producer and promoter to becoming such a strong advocate for the environment? It's been an interesting journey. I guess I've always been passionate for business and particularly small businesses. Historically, I was what I would call uh, an, an armchair environmentalist. I've always been conscious of my decisions as, a, as an individual, but also with the understanding that, that, that actually some of these challenges that we face are systemic. What drew me really from my, my previous business, which was an event production company, we were putting on a lot of projects all around the world, seeing the direct consumption of and the waste actually involved in just doing business as usual. There was one project in particular that, that I can remember that, that actually almost sort of broke the camel's back, as they say, which was a big global perfume brand asked us to put on this show which was meant to tour around the world building this this in incredible experience for for customers and, and we built it with the intention that it would tour it was modular it was all really well put together and then at the end of i think the second event the brand turned around and said oh we've changed our brand identity we're actually just going to scrap this and it was that it was a real slap in the face of like the reality of the kind of consumption driven approach that we live in and I really went on a journey over four or five years which has now brought me to date to understand ways in which I could support doing business in a more environmentally conscious way and that eventually led to spherics I really knew I wanted to do something more purposeful 
I've always found it fascinating, these tipping points, which, as in your words, turn someone from an armchair advocate into someone who's really taking action. I guess, Alyssa, you're very similar with you. I, I saw an interview where it implied that your passion for sustainability came from a trip you took to Ecuador as part of a cultural exchange program. What's your story and how did that advocacy develop with yourself? Yeah, I was 16 and I won a scholarship to spend a year studying in Ecuador. And, you know, I come from very humble backgrounds, the first of my family to go to uni. Money was always tight. And I grew up in Europe thinking I was kind of poor, uh, you know, the kid that doesn't go on holiday. And, and then I went to Ecuador, which is a wonderful country, but it's a developing country, right? And I met this kid called Jorge, and I remember him as if it was yesterday. And he was a seven-year-old boy cleaning shoes uh, in the in the plaza. And that day, I think I, I, two things happened. One, the penny dropped, and I felt slightly ashamed for ever thinking I was poor. And I, and, and I kind of realized that actually I had won the lottery just being born in Europe. The second kind of realization was that I had to do something with that lottery because I had opportunities that were just gifted to me. I actually studied diplomacy. I tried that, but I wanted to to see more immediate action and uh, and feel I could uh, really drive change. And I felt that the private sector actually has moves a lot of capital, touches a lot of lives, and it's the engine of the economy. And if I could rewire that, I felt one day I could look Jorge bet in the eyes and and feels slightly less ashamed than I felt that day. So so that's why I decided to dedicate my career and to some extent life to to sustainability. Fantastic. I, we've got a saying about have fun, work hard, make history. And I, I love it when I meet people like yourselves who still have that passion from their youth uh, around a topic and they've carried that forward into their career. Talking about careers, um, George, how did you land on the idea for Sage Earth? So we were a small business. We were, at the time, producing lots of events for, for large brands. We started producing impact reports of our projects. So we started looking at the projects that we were producing, measuring the waste that we consumed, measuring the water use, measuring all of the various resource consumptions, the carbon, and what we realized when we started producing these reports is our corporate customers loved it. And uh, actually that created this really interesting conversation about circularity. And we start, and then actually we became a credible voice in the decisions that our corporate partners were making because we cared. So we, we moved the conversation from us just being a supplier to actually challenging our customers on their briefs. That's really what started it. Now, I knew it was through that lens that when we started doing more and more of these, these impact reports, we started thinking, well, actually, most of the data we need for these reports lives within our financial ledger and create a, a carbon impact, a, a resource consumption, water use, et cetera, from that data. That would be really smart. At that moment, COVID hit. My previous business went from a multi-million turnover to nothing overnight. And actually, whilst that had a detrimental impact on, on 
a number of things in relation to that business. What it gave was my time back building this thing and, and, and validating it. You know, we tested this with lots of other businesses. And then at the same, you know, a little bit later on during the COVID pandemic, we applied and were awarded a Innovate UK grant. And really that kicked it off. So we built a team of five or six. So the crisis led to this serendipitous ability to focus on on what became Sage Earth. Sage is well known. It's, it's a company that's been around for a long time. I know many, many people who are customers of Sage. And I understand the Sage Earth acquisition accelerates climate awareness and action across small and medium-sized businesses. It seems to mark the start of a journey for Sage in terms of uh, ESG. What was the driver of the acquisition? Yeah, so Sage made a commitment uh, to sustainability and we created a strategy which focuses, as you'd expect, on the topics that are most uh, important. So that means the topics where Sage can have the highest impact and that can impact Sage the most. And these are, of course, climate change, uh, as well as other things like diversity, equity and inclusion is a big uh, FTSE 100 company, uh, data and AI ethics. We felt that climate change in particular offered both risks as well as opportunities for SAID. And we see our fight against climate through two lenses. One is what we do as a business. So how can we reduce uh, our own emissions and deliver net zero? But the second side of the strategy is how can we support the millions of SMBs who tell us that they do want to embrace sustainability, get to net zero, but don't have the means, tools, and times to do so. And that that's, I think, where it gets really exciting for us because I think the multiplying effect that we can have if we enable millions of SMBs to get to net zero would be extraordinary. Like SMBs contribute to um, 50% of the GDP just in the UK. They represent something like 99% of businesses. So I think that Sage is uniquely positioned to support small, medium businesses in their journey. But the reality is that <laughs> I think we were humble enough to admit that we, we, we know a lot about accounting, but carbon accounting is slightly different. So we went out and looked at who we could partner with, who could we work with, and who are the experts in this uh, in this space. And Spherix, so now Sagers, uh, came across as a fantastic business. And I think, well, first of all, let me say this, and I'll embarrass George slightly, but there was really good chemistry with George. There was a really good fit in terms of values, cultures. We were speaking the same language. And one of the things that we really, really liked about George and his team is that they weren't trying to just sell offsets. They were generally trying to support small, medium businesses to measure their emissions, track them and, and start on their journey. And that's how it all started. Fantastic. And you touched on something uh, which is a make and break in these situations about chemistry. George, being on the other side of this deal, what were the joint values between your company, Spherix and Sage, that made the acquisition possible? And, and any insights you could share on that technology value culture integration between the two companies that, that could interest uh, listeners? Absolutely. So I think, as Elisa said, the thing that we were struck by, even from the very first call with Sage, was 
these guys seem genuinely nice and they're not trying to play games, right? We were talking to various different teams within Sage. We were talking to um, Alyssa's team and there was absolutely super alignment there around what we were doing. We were also talking to the venture team and really just from across the board, we felt that they seemed genuinely determined to, to do something about the climate crisis. There's a lot of what we call kind of one-click offset providers. They do like a course measurement and then give you a button where it all goes away. All of the carbon storage stuff, in, in, in my view, is slightly misguided. Like we do need it, but it's the end of the solution. They were very collaborative with their approach. They recognized that they had a duty and a responsibility and they wanted to do something about it. But at the same time, they weren't going to fix the whole climate crisis on their own. There was just this really interesting kind of cultural alignment the reason we started the business was to have a measurable impact on the climate crisis actually for us this was the right conversation at the right time with the right partner who absolutely aligned with us it's been a really great journey and we're we're a year in now and actually i feel exactly the same you know we're we're still continuing the mission um there's loads to do we're still pushing in the same direction and yeah looking forward to the future We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. Fantastic, and your passion shows through as you you talk about that. Uh, Alyssa, George talks about climate change being a systemic issue. It's it's complex. There's no easy solution uh, to this. From a perspective of your customers, what are some of the challenges that they're facing as they think about climate-first policies and how are you helping them overcome these? Yeah, that's a very good question. And we've done a, a lot of research around what uh, small-medium businesses think. And um, one of the first findings was that for a survey, 83% of the SMBs we spoke with said that sustainability is important to them. And majority also said that they face lots of challenges to to address and embark on sustainability. And the, the things they mentioned are not enough cash flow to invest, struggling to navigate complex government policies, incentives, so also access to capital. And and then the, the and they all link right difficulty in finding the right solutions and measuring and then reporting impact is a massive pain point. And you have to keep in mind that a small medium business, right? You have you are typically the chief people officers in the morning, the chief risk officer in the afternoon, the guy who has to download the track in the evening. You have to wear so many hats and. It, it, it's unrealistic, unreasonable to ask them also to then become environmental experts and fill in massive spreadsheets and emission conversions factors. So we felt that we needed to, as a tech company, provide a solution that made it simple to at least start. And and I think the rule is that done is better than perfect. And it, and especially when it comes to climate change, which is so complicated, we need to be able to help a small medium business understand their carbon footprint enough so that they take action. And what that means is a, a solution that can be automated that on a click 
provides you your first carbon footprint that is readable, understandable, and gives you an idea of the hotspot so that you know where your emissions come from and you can start taking action. As simple as that. Because otherwise, if you overcomplicate it, um, you'll waste a lot of time. And I have in mind one day I'll draw this vignette of, you know, very bright people drawing infinite equations and uh, while in the background you have the world burning down. We simply don't have the time. We just need to get going. And small, medium businesses are actually fantastic in that. If there is a type of business that just gets up and go and does and try, that's small, medium businesses. So I think they can really make a difference. It's just we enable them to get started. You say a small, medium-sized business they don't have time to waste, they don't have money to waste, and you bring this together in your software so they can keep track of their money, but also their planetary impact. So this idea of profitability and, and planetary good going hand in hand, you've sort of brought that together with what you're doing. Sage Earth started as a digital native solution. I believe you were supported by AWS through the AWS Activate funding program for startups. George, at the point of starting the business, how much knowledge did you have of technology in the cloud? I'd say a little bit. Because I've run a number of businesses, I've built a number of different technology stacks around kind of websites and CRMs. I also trusted the opinion of our CTO. Certainly if I was to give any advice to, to, to anyone looking to set up a, a startup or get into this kind of thing, get a really trusted technologist in your team from the outset. And actually, it was, it was him that advocated fully for the AWS solution, really good documentation, really good set of services that, that underpin what we need. We've really felt supported by AWS. You've got to have the right partners in place as you're building this, and you want to know that you can rely on the company that is going to ultimately support your product. Brilliant. And it, so you talked about the importance of Technology Foundation, the importance of great advice through your CTO. Any other advice you'd give to a software company who might not have deep technological know-how, but really want to get an idea off the ground? Yeah. I've recently been reading a book about working backwards, You know, which is all about how you start with the customer. You have to start with a problem that needs solving. No matter how much you think you have a vision, test, 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 put the customer at the heart of the solution. What I've really learned is you've got to recognize that, you know, even if you've got a vision which is massive, break it up, build it, build it into small iterative parts and start with a, a simple, minimal, viable solution, which creates value for the customer, ensures you have product market fit and and then recognize that building a team and a technology product takes a while we've got a long roadmap of, of features that we're developing but start small and and keep it simple so the, the market's changing constantly and software companies are in a perfect position to continuously adapt and progress how does sage Alyssa or george stay relevant given this rate of change we're seeing Yes, not not an easy one. <laughs> well, they're different tools. Uh, uh, some are more uh, technical or uh, methodologies. So, for example, at Sage, we embrace the materiality metrics assessment uh, every two years, which is an exercise uh, that helps us uh, understand what are the topics that are most material for all our stakeholders. 
think about it as a very big horizon scanning exercise that tell us where is SAGE having an impact and what are the topics that impact SAGE and also helps us analyze what are the risks, what are the opportunities and how we can influence. It's really helpful because it, it helps us understand what are the macro trends out there that we need to be aware of. Uh, and look, the, the reality is that to be relevant, we do need to address climate change and other sustainability-related issues. And I think businesses may at times forget these topics sometimes feel distant from the day-to-day of a company. But try and do business when there is a hurricane. Try and do business uh, when all your servers are underwater or when there isn't enough water to cool down your, your service. So we are hugely reliant on the stability of our ecosystem and our, the, the stability of our society as businesses to operate. So how do we stay relevant? How do we stay fit for the, for the future? I think by having a very strong, sustainable business in place. I might just touch on maybe more the sort of technology side. So the big transition within Sage is is, is actually shifting on-premise users into cloud-based products. Now that not only helps with business efficiency, but it's also a much better technological solution in terms of the environmental impact of these products. Broadly, Sage's carbon footprint as a business is three things. It's the emissions from the business itself, which are in the scheme of things negligible and then there is the supply chain emissions so that's upstream that's a large proportion and then there is the downstream proportion which is the use of sold products now that latter box that's that can be dramatically improved by having more cleaner modern code bases technologies cloud stacks we've come in with a very kind of agile startup approach but we've actually helped influence Sage's processes somewhat to have more of an iterative release cycle, recognizing and conscious of the risks in relation to that. It brings me on to the topic du jour. Everyone's talking about generative AI at the moment. And I find it interesting, the tie to ESG in a number of ways, one being, uh, Elisa, you've mentioned bias, for instance, you know, that idea of responsible AI, making sure that uh, you're using data correctly to train models and that your workforce represents the very customers you're serving. Has Sage started to consider how to use generative AI to, to innovate and to better meet your customer needs? Yeah, so the, the, there's a number of things going on. There's the Sage uh, AI Labs team who are building a number of different large language model-based systems. We're looking at how we can use chatbot functionality to effectively read large amounts of data and serve that back to SMB users in terms of suggestions on what they can do to respond to the climate crisis. You know, SMBs do not have a lot of time. They need the information that's relevant to them served up in an easy, digestible format. In addition to the products that we've got today, we've also got a lot of work being done across Sage in supporting businesses with the the understanding and the educational content that they need. One other thing that we're exploring with, with AWS is, is can we build a large language model around accounting? 
there are a ton of use cases around building a specific model that looks at accounting ledgers and understands accounting data in a way that would be able to, for us to build value on top of all the existing products that we've got in a way that's appropriate. That's a really interesting use case. As we play with AI and try and really put it at service of the planet, we are also very mindful of the, the, the risks that it poses. And we have just published a set of principles on how we're going to use data and AI ethically. And we explore the dilemmas that AI ethics will inevitably uh, pose to the business. AI has a, a big potential. We are definitely exploring how we can put it at the service of small, medium businesses, in this case, in particular, at the service of the planet. And as we do so, we have also put in place the controls that are necessary to make sure we do the right thing as we explore it. That's great to hear such uh, progressive moves this early on in the journey. Thank you so much for your time and sharing what you're doing in the area of sustainability and helping customers run their business as well. So thank you once again for spending time with me. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word and subscribe, share, rate, and review. Visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights for more on these topics.